Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 42 with service to California. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember, if you recognize your neighbor but don't know from where, you have two choices. Confront them directly or, with their consent, give them the driest hand job possible until they tell you. <laughs> Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Max Singer and Rich Inman. How are you boys doing today? Well, uh, that is a dangerous uh, prospect, Jeff, because I live in the Valley, so all of my neighbors uh, might end up giving hand jobs for a living anyways. Anyways, um, <laughs> how, how are you doing, Max? Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm surprised that Jeff is legally allowed to read the terms and conditions for Spirit Airlines on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! The, the perks are endless. <laughs> uh, but but yeah. Spirit, yeah. No, Rich, go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, I, I just wanted to, to jump in up top and uh, and thank you guys for giving me the time to just thank and recognize all the people who have subscribed and started listening to our podcast. Uh, I have had friends from just about every stage of my life reach out saying that they're listening. I've had clients and coworkers say that they're listening. I mean, obviously I work with Rosie who has been an incredible guest like twice now. Um, you know, I just want to be so thankful to the Reddit communities that have joined us too. Um, like the individual fan pages. I know the, um, the people who are huge fans of like scrubs and uh, there's even a chance that Bill Lawrence might've listened to that episode, which is super flattering. Um, and, and really just like, thank you for everyone, friends, family, everyone who has joined us for this journey. And um, if you're wondering how you can continue to support the podcast, even though you've already done so much of like listening to our voices right now, you know, share it with your friends and family if you know there's some friends in your life that love like a nice, like funny take on TV, um, if you are, you know, uh, if you're on Instagram or Twitter, give us a follow. If you're on TikTok, give us a follow. Uh, any little bit helps. If you're hearing this right now and you haven't maybe left a comment or review on Apple Podcasts or anything like that or uh, Spotify, I don't know if Spotify allows you to do that. Uh, but that helps us immensely. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for, for joining us. We're continuing to grow and it's like really insane to watch. And, um, thank you so much. On a less sincere note, you could also help us by pulling a, uh, a soldier boy in the late two thousands and just upload episodes of this podcast <laughs> under the names of more popular podcasts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. if you download Call her daddy. There's a one in three chance it might be TV pilot's license. <laughs> this has also been an ad for LimeWire. Yeah, I will also say this is not one of our guest pilot episodes, but in all honesty, I've had friends reach out being like, how have you been able to have these awesome, just like, not only funny, but just such interesting perspectives on the podcast. And I'm really excited to see where this continues going and it's all possible because of amazing listeners, like people that we know personally and some of the new folks who have joined us along the way for this journey. Uh, maybe you are a new person who's joined us on this journey. So, Max, what are they listening to? Here at TV Pilots License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous or, in some cases, infamous shows. We learn how these shows came to be and were originally greenlit. 
we decide that they're effective pilots and making us want to watch more, and if we think they still hold up today, go back and listen to any of our episodes from wherever you get your podcasts. Go and watch us on YouTube to see our smiling faces. Go and check out shows you know and love and want to learn more about. Take a shot in the dark on a show that maybe you've heard of and for some reason just want to learn more about. And if it is your first time flying with us, then welcome aboard today. And Rich, what is your question of the week? Well, watching Party Down, and I feel like all of us have watched the entirety of the series at this point. Oh, yeah, we're doing Party um, Down today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah we're doing, by the way, down. we're doing an amazing show. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're, we're, doing, we're, doing, we're doing Stars' as Party Down. Wait, what, what show are we doing? <laughs> uh, the Stars Network Party Down. Uh, I believe that is the, the full official title of the show. Um, wow, I got to introduce the show for the first time. Which and and hey, congrats, TV and Rich. a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, I really made it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to Rich's TV Pilots License with my co-hosts Max and Jeff. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so this this week we're talking about Party Down, which uh, if you're not privy or if you have not experienced the show uh, yet, uh, pause the episode right now, go watch it, and come back and listen to it. Uh, but it is an extremely funny workplace comedy. That uh, takes place in possibly the worst job in Los Angeles, which is catering for rich people. And uh, I want to know from both of you, what is your worst job experience? Oh, my God, Rich. I'm so happy you asked. Um, (laughs) So my high school had a bodega in the middle of the high school. And it was like very simple, right? I wasn't making like egg and cheese sandwiches, but I was making like hot pockets and stuff like that. There is nothing more demeaning than having to uh, be in food services for your peers who you then have to sit down with in class because they just instantly start treating you like a piece of garbage as soon as they see that you are behind a cash register. Um, And I didn't even really get paid for that job. Um, It was instead I got some free items uh, for every shift that I did. So, yeah. I Jeff, I will shout that out, Jeff. In your in your food slavery job, uh, what is uh, what, <laughs> would you say that the absolute worst part of that job is when you turned around to pop that hot pocket in the microwave, and then you had to sit with that customer while you both waited a, a minute and forty five seconds or however long <laughs> it is, and just like sit there in silence the entire time? Is that that seems like the worst part? So that that's a that my favorite thing. Favorite worst thing that happened was there was this one student and um, she was in a different grade than I was and she came and she skipped the line and I was like, hey, I'm not going to serve you uh, unless you wait in line. And then she pointed at the building behind her and she was like, that building's named after me. You'll serve me whenever Uh... I damn please. Spoiler alert. I didn't serve her and I told her she could come another period. Uh, So, yeah. I, the building's uh, named after. I, I definitely. <laughs> so yeah, I I have thoughts about it. I definitely think it's a humbling experience and something that everyone should do for maybe a day. Uh, Her last name is Food Court. My perspective. I, I wonder. I wonder whatever <laughs> happened to old Brittany High School. <laughs> Max, I'm curious. Uh, what about you? Oh, that's easy. Cater waiter in Los Angeles. <laughs> hey, all right. <laughs> Uh, Max, Max uh, yeah, that, the that show was, party down. Yeah, that was that was uh, my first 
uh, I guess, full-time job after graduating from drama school and coming out to LA like so many other aspiring actors. Uh, I mean, it, it's just, it's insane being in that position out here because you just, there, there's such a, uh, like, you just you see bonkers stuff, like working high school silent auctions where, like, I remember doing one of those when I was in school and it was like, one of the teachers liked to play paddle ball and you could win a chance to take a private class with that teacher to learn how to play paddle ball. And out here in LA, it's like, there were Teslas, there were like Cartier watches. You could watch a Dodger game with Magic Johnson. It was just such an insane Jesus. thing. My favorite moment though was working a wedding where the entire wedding party, including the bride and groom, entered the reception to a party rock anthem. <laughs> and they timed it out so that they were all in perfect rows for the every day I'm shuffling breakdown and then did the entire dance break. And it was just like all these like older family members, like kind of clapping around, like looking around at each other. Uh, and then later that night, there was an earthquake, which is really fun to clean up after. <laughs> there was an earthquake? <laughs> yeah, it was one of those ones where like you're, you're like, you got a tray in your hand and all of a sudden the chandelier starts shaking and then you go back into like your your storage room, you're like, ah, shit, I guess I got to clean all this stuff up. God is oh just God. shuffling around. Baby. Rich, what about you? What, uh, what is your nightmare job experience? Oh, I don't even know if I have ever told you guys this before, but pre Starbucks, I worked as a camp counselor for a little bit. And, uh, oh, I've, I've definitely for, had that experience. It is. First of all, I was like 15 years old. And, uh, like I, I know the minimum age to start working is 16, but they made an exception for camp counselor stuff. Um, I was the youngest person in the camp counselor group by at least six years. So already I didn't fit in with anyone. They were already like going to get drinks or something like that before, after, uh, after work and stuff like that. So everyone else bonded there except for me. Um, the kids were ruthless because they could tell I was like the youngest and had the least authority of anyone. And, uh, I will leave it at that because it was a really horrendous experience that I think I lasted a month at. Um, and official stance of the pod, fuck them kids. Oh my God. Well, Rich, thank you for that uh, traumatizing question of the week. I'm You're so welcome. Horrible <laughs> job memories. Um, well, this week, boys, we are doing, as we've said, uh, on Rich's TV pilot license and the regular TV pilot license, <laughs> We are doing Party Down, um, which you can find on Stars, but you can also find on Hulu as well as a myriad of different places. But before we dive in too deep, let's do a quick synopsis. A group of actors moves to Los Angeles to make it big, but end up working as caterers. Nice and simple and sweet, but Max, I think a lot more went into making this cult hit. Uh, do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Oh, it hits so close to home. So today we are talking about the pilot of Party Down titled Willow Canyon Homeowners Annual Party, which aired on Stars on March 20th, 2009. And to really get into it, we're going to be talking about four main creators who made this show possible. And that is Paul Rudd, John Enbaum, Dan Etheridge, and Rob Thomas. Yeah! Oh my god. <laughs> Seven seconds, eight oh, seconds, we only nine seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, God. And yeah, we... 
unlike many of our shows, which begin in writer's rooms and spinoffs of other successful shows, today our story begins in a bar in Austin, Texas's Dirty Six neighborhood. <laughs> and Party Down is actually a show that's about 12 years in the making. So back in the mid-90s, actor Adam Scott goes to visit his friend Paul Rudd on the set of a film called The Locust, which is filming in Houston. And the two decide to take a drive to Austin one weekend solely to go out and get drunk and party. Uh, according to Scott, he actually had to borrow $200 from Paul Rudd to pay for the trip. He basically went to Houston. They decided to go to Austin. And Scott was like, oh, by the way, I need you to pay for me. <laughs> so while they're out drinking at an Irish pub in Austin's Dirty Six neighborhood, a place where many an individual in their early to mid-20s has gotten just completely smashed, they meet a high school English teacher and Space Ghost Coast to Coast writer by the name of Rob Thomas. <laughs> they hang out, get to know each other, and go back to Thomas's place to drink more beer and uh, watch some episodes of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Because, you know, when, when you're drunk, you really want to show the stuff you've made to your new friends. They all stay in touch, and a few years later, Thomas leaves Austin and moves to L.A. to pursue screenwriting full-time. And through Paul Rudd, meet some of Rudd's friends, uh, Enbaum and Etheridge. The two of them went to USC graduate film school together, and Etheridge served as a producer on Paul Rudd's 1998 comedy Overnight Delivery, which I never heard of, but apparently involves uh, Paul Rudd sending a letter that he doesn't mean to mail to an ex-girlfriend, and he has to like track down the mail truck to get it back within 24 hours. I don't know. It's very 1998. It stars man, Christine man, Taylor man, and man, Reese man. Witherspoon. Uh Go, go watch Overnight Delivery and let us know if it's good. Sound <laughs> off in the comments. Uh, so the four friends would hang out at Thomas's house every week, and they would watch the new episodes of this brand new comedy that they were all becoming obsessed with. And that is airing on BBC America, and it's called The Office. So they would basically watch this new cringe comedy, and they would obsess over it, and they wanted to make a show like this so bad and bonding over The Office and another mutual love of theirs, Christopher Guest Films. Uh, Thomas pitches Enborn the idea of a show about cater waiters, where every single episode is a different party. And the four of them begin plotting out all these potential episodes and characters, although they never actually write a script. They just keep pitching all these ideas and accumulating it. Around this time, in the early 2000s, they get inspiration from another booming pop culture phenomenon, and that is the Verizon Can You Hear Me Now commercials. Oh my god. Okay. And they become obsessed oh, with the idea guy. about how this guy, who is basically subjected to everywhere he goes, people shouting this catchphrase at him, what's he like? What's his story? Did he go to drama school? Did he do plays that he was really proud of? Was he taking acting classes? Did he have this dream of being a star? And now everyone just shouts, can you hear me now at him everywhere he goes? <laughs> and that becomes our protagonist of Henry Pollard. <laughs> they start taking the show, pitching it around. HBO loves the series. They love the outline. They write a pilot script for HBO, but the network passes on it along with every other network. And the series seems dead at this point. Rudd's career starts to really get taken to a new level with the release of Anchorman. Rob Thomas sells another show of his own to UPN, which is Veronica Mars. Mm -hmm. uh, and Baum and Etheridge work on the show as well as writers and producers. 
And it's not till 2007 when Veronica Mars ends with its third season that Thomas revisits the Party Down script they wrote. And they decide, just basically say, fuck it. We're just going to shoot it ourselves. We're going to figure it out. And they shoot it in the backyard of Rob Thomas's house in the Valley. They scrap together about $150,000 between the four of them. And they just recruit whatever friends they have to make this like spec sizzle pilot. Uh, Rudd has to drop out due to filming commitments and can't play Henry. Brings on his best friend, Adam Scott, to take over the role. Also recruits Jane Lynch, who he worked with on The 40-Year-Old Virgin. Uh, Thomas and Enbaum and Etheridge bring in a whole bunch of their Veronica Mars co-stars with Ken Marino, Ryan Hansen, uh, also in this pilot episode, Enrico Colantoni, who plays Gordon, uh, another vet of Veronica Mars. And they make this sizzle reel, burn it onto DVD, and just start mailing it around town. And they hear nothing for a year and a half until one day... They get a call that stars of all channels is looking to break into original comedy. They go back, reshoot the full pilot for this episode, the exact same pilot plot and script that they pitched a decade earlier to HBO, a homeowners association party at Sherman Oaks. And that is what we're talking about today. Wow. Okay. So that wasn't Rob Thomas's backyard. No, the actual episode that we watched is a full odd production, but they, they shot like a DIY bare bones pilot, just like using his house in the valley. That's fun. So for our listeners, just a quick lesson. If you have $150,000 in the dream, <laughs> you also can make a do-it-yourself pilot. Uh, probably you'll hear from no one, but you get, yeah, you will probably hear from no one. And hey, you get to say you made a pilot. Uh, so that's pretty fun. Also, uh, Paul Rudd, could I also borrow $200? <laughs> <laughs> Can I borrow 150000 to make a pilot? You guys ready to dive into Party Down? <laughs> Let's get it. Yeah. So I love how this pilot starts. Um, we start with the almost just this voice that is unaccompanied by a body at this point in time. We just have a black screen and we hear, do you know what you get when you hire a Party Down catering team? And this small monologue, I think, is just so great of setting the tone of, yeah, this is our world. We are in the world of Party Down. We're in the world of this for hire catering team that just is at a, as you said, we're at a neighborhood party. And this guy who's just full of shit talking to uh, who has hired him. This is the sitcom pilot equivalent to in this essay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> there is something so uncomfortable about the way Ron Donald talks. And it like, really, I didn't realize it when the first time I watched it, or maybe I didn't have these insane feelings, but like the overwhelming salesmanship of Ron Donald is upsetting. It is like, it really uh, fills me with a lot of stress. Rich, you got to hit on that, like the, the overwhelming salesmanship. And it's kind of in the way we filmed this too, because it's, it's like a fake out confessional. It looks like he's talking just to us until the camera flips and you see that he's like close talking the host of this party. And I think it's important to establish that he is perpetually odd, how serious and how intense he is in a comic manner. Also just credit to Ken Marino, right? Like, Ken always Marino, credit to Ken Marino. Always, always credit to Ken Marino. Ken Marino and this role are like, because 
I think all of us have probably seen Party Down before, but throughout this entire pilot, I just, even though Ken Marino's character is the worst, we've all had that manager who's overly invested in something that's so unserious as catering a party or whatever, insert job, uh, entry-level job where a manager who's like, you have to make 150 phone calls, otherwise you're not doing a good job at your job. Uh, but yeah, this is just, it, it welcomes us to like, if they got this inspiration from the office, it welcomes us to this Michael Scott S character. Who's going to be not the main character, but the buffoon that we love to hate. There is a, there must be a note in the show Bible that is just, there might only be one note. It's, um, it's, uh, no good deed goes unpunished because anyone, if you commit the cardinal sin in this show of caring too much, then you're automatically going to end up the worst, <laughs> the worst of anyone on the show. It's also just some of the small details, right? Like we see that this character is always prepared, right? There's a errant uh, mustard jar being opened uh, that gets a little bit of mustard on the host's dress. And we have a tide stick just ready to go, uh, as well as always plugging the idea. And we learn a little bit more about the motivation later, but like, Hey, just remember when you're filling out the uh, customer review or the customer satisfaction card, um, just how always prepared we are as a whole. Um, But on the other side of that, we do meet our main character, uh, Adam Scott's character of Henry. Um, And Henry has definitely just even without speaking hit hard times. And we can pretty easily identify that from the start. Max, when you saw Henry, what were you thinking? I mean, the, the way he pulls up late to the event uh, the beater car, and then this is a detail that I don't think I ever noticed watching this pilot before until this most recent watch, but when Henry pulls up to the house, he's actually blocking the driveway with the car. Like He's, he's parked a little bit in front of the driveway, and there's so <laughs> much that you get from Adam Scott as Henry before he even has a single line of dialogue that tells you everything you need to know. The defeat in the voice, the defeat in the eyes, the fact that his even his shirt being different from everyone else's you know he was just told to wear a white button down and he's got the wrinkliest pocket button down when everyone else has like crisp white tuxedo shirts you don't even need to hear him talk to know who this person is and i think that throughout this show party down is so effective in using like the little details and the things that we sort of just like catch glimpses of to tell stories they they show things just so well throughout these like 20 something minutes yeah this is definitely not uh, if you plan on watching this show or you already have watched it this is not a doing the laundry show where you're not really watching the screen there are so many small details and just such great acting during this entire pilot so you need to be watching it because otherwise you're going to miss out on some amazing jokes I should also note just really quick that John Enbaum is the main writer of this pilot and a lot of the show in general, even though there's other people from like the main four who are credited. And something I learned recently is that everything in here is stuff that Enbaum wrote, despite being inspired by Christopher Guest films and the background and pedigree of this cast. It is a very, very low improvisational show. They, they basically said we didn't have room to improvise so all these little details, all these little 
gags and where like a car has to hit in front of a driveway, the things that maybe feel like throwaway lines and stuff that Jeff said, it's not a laundry show. You have to be paying attention. Every little bit of that is in here. And so credit to John Enbaum on writing something that is just so tight. And speaking about like a scene or just a moment that seems, it's so funny. It seems like it was improv on the spot. There was nothing quite like seeing Jane Lynch and Ryan Hansen's characters running lines as they were prepping for the party because holy shit. First of all, Jane Lynch in this entire pilot is fantastic. Um, But Ryan Hansen, who like of Veronica Mars fame coming in, playing the good looking, the handsome actor who's just a moron. um, It was just, it was too perfect. And it was so cringy, but amazing that I was like, Oh yeah, cool. Like, this is wonderful. So we're all in agreement if this pilot was written in the early 2000s that Paul Rudd auditioned for the OC, right? Oh, like there, 100%. there's somewhere a Paul 100%. Rudd failed OC audition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely. Mean, Whoever, I, like Paul Rudd looks extremely cool. young, but he doesn't look 17. So that, I don't know what part of the show that he would have. <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, I mean, the Palisades so has to be. It's got, is, is, is he Seth or Ryan? Is he Seth or Ryan? Ooh, that's a really good. Mm. I mean, I, I, I want I him think to be Seth. Seth, but he's definitely Ryan. I, it's a good question. It's a really. Or is he the jock boyfriend and playing uh, not typecast? All all good questions. Max is probably screaming internally as I say that, and not the character's name. Um, but after we see this. We get the we get a little bit more detail about Henry as a human being, right? Henry was once made it big. He did work at Party Down Catering Services eight years ago. This is definitely a favor that's being done to him, uh, done for him. Excuse me, but something has happened in the meantime, and there is a reason that he has fallen on hard times in the Beater BMW. Um, now having to be a cater waiter at this party as a whole. A lot can happen in eight years is such a good button to oh, begin God. our little credit sequence. <laughs> I wrote I wrote that at, uh, in, in bold on my notes. It's just a lot can happen in eight years, says the person who's working at the same company. It is like, it is such a brutal line. Like I, you, I feel like this is one of those shows where you're just like, I, you very rarely have a show where you just feel kind of bad for everyone. And like, you know, there's so many, there's so many fun moments in it. Like, it's so funny to watch them just like tear each other apart and play pranks on one another. Or Jane Lynch is just going to be an insane flower child. But it is, uh, it is really funny just to watch. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there, I have a lot of empathy for everyone in the show, including Ken Marino. And it's, it's weird. Cause I don't, I can't recall another show where I feel like that. And one of the other things that's super interesting is this show. We always talk about how sometimes shows really trust the audience, leave out exposition that we need. And then we're sort of sitting here being like, wait, what's everyone's name. This is one of the shows where if you look back at it, they don't really give us more than the bare necessity as far as details about each of these characters but we already know each of them in some very unique ways, right? Jane and Ryan running lines against each other, probably both actors in some sense. One might have been an actor. 
with Ken talking about his dream being opening a Super Crackers. Uh, where, which is which just, was super, just it has to be Soup Plantation, Ken, right? Oh yeah, it's Soup Plantation for sure. <laughs> a, it, now defunct, but maybe coming back. Soup and Salad Bar, soup, Fast soup. Casual franchise. Unlimited Soup. Unlimited Soup. Keep it going. <laughs> it's It's just these small moments give us these um, a really great idea of this is the situation we're in. There's one character who's not in this like team huddle that shows up a little bit late um, that I think is one of my favorite introductions of a character we've ever had. Lizzie Kaplan, a star in her own right in this pilot as Casey Klein. And she just has this great interaction with Henry when he's wearing this t-shirt and he says, yes, I look like a helpful gay pirate. Uh, and Lizzie Kaplan's <laughs> just line of, you're not helpful. Only she could deliver that way. And it was so perfect. Her like deadpan comedy styling is like unparalleled. And, and you see it just like throughout her career. It's only gotten sharper. You take like a, a decade jump from Party Down in a show like uh, Fleischman's in Trouble last year. And she's just so good at taking things that feel throwaway or feel wordy and just giving them such like grounded comedy. She's one of my favorite people to watch. Just, yeah, absolutely. Even though she's not in this pilot for long, I think she does almost steal the screen when she is in it. She has these lines that reveal, hey, I was late because I have a crazy boyfriend. Cool. We we will meet the crazy boyfriend. But we really get this idea of, oh, Henry and uh, <laughs> Henry and Casey um, are going to get along in some sense of the word, even though even if Henry is holding back on whom he is to the rest of this group that he's working with. I think something that makes Party Down so effective in how it does character development is that it's it's so bound by the confines of the party. There is almost like a like a time bomb sense to every single episode because there's there's a hard stop you have to get to. It's not a show that can develop a plot over several days to tell one story. It's like you only have like a few hours of time. And so like things have to happen and they have to be like bold and they have to be in your face in order to come across. And we sort of get a sense of that with like seeing as this party moves along, there's these small moments. And like when I watched this show, it almost felt like separate scenes that all happen yeah. to be taking place at yeah, the same place. Yeah, it is kind of vignette to To add to that point, I mean, something I, 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 you know, obviously I think it's a really good way to tell, to set a scene and tell a bunch of stories that are not necessarily super crucial to where the show goes anyways. Um, having Lizzie Kaplan's character uh, take the, um, the camcorder and be responsible for filming all these different people just allows for so many offhanded like conversations. Like I have one of my favorite lines from the show in general uh, in one of these moments that I'm super excited to talk about it because it's a little bit later in the pilot, but they did such a, uh, such a terrific job of capturing the loose feel of a party and just let people get one liners in who are, who are like not consequential to the show whatsoever. I thought that was a really great way to just incorporate the feel of the party in general. One of these small vignettes that we talked about uh, that happened, I think, right before that line, Rich, 
was um, we had Martin Starr's character, who is uh, his role at this uh, party was being the DJ of the mm-hmm. party. Uh, the interaction between Martin Starr and Ryan Hansen's characters were so just perfect of mm-hmm. like this pure hatred and just dis- like despising each other. Also, there's it's all over like this disagreement is over a the daughter of the hosts of this party played by Eden Cher. Um, Our friend how Eden old Cher. Do we think Eden? Yeah, how old do we think she was supposed to be in this pilot? 15? Was she supposed to be eighteen or yeah, maybe? Yeah, I, I would say sixteen. And it's just it's this great like it gives us even more development of the character that Ryan Hansen is playing, that he is a scumbag who's going to sleep with girls who are too young. And of course he's in a band. Like, of course he's the well, Everything he band. says, when, when he's talking to Henry for the first time, but he like quotes a random Shakespeare quote, like slightly incorrect. He's like, yeah, I'm way into Shakespeare. I'm an actor. I have a band. I model. <laughs> it's that thing in LA and New York where it's like the more hype no someone asked. has in their title, the less they actually do. <laughs> like no discredit to Ryan Hansen and how he plays this character. But I would kill to see Adam Scott's portrayal of this character as well as uh, Paul Rudd's portrayal of this character. I mean, the Adam Scott portrayal is just Derek from Step Brothers. Exactly. (laughs) But (laughs) couldn't you imagine Paul Rudd in this character? I think it's his character from Parks and Rec a little bit. But like, I just, I absolutely was just sitting there being like, yeah, Paul Rudd absolutely wrote this sort of as if he was acting it or because he is a credited writer on this first script, on the pilot script. I imagine that he did put some influences, especially into this character specifically. Yeah, he just looks like he's having a full on, like, uh, uh, as they call a menti B, like rolling up to this, uh, rolling up to this catering event, uh, like serving all these people. Like you can kind of see, you you kind of feel see like the caged animal look of fear in his eyes, and then also just like the "fuck it, this might as well be my life" kind of feeling. And uh, yeah, as soon as he also, I can see it, it's kind of nice seeing someone in this role who has kind of like given up on that hope of Los Angeles that it kind of just like throws at you. Like, uh, I am, I am not going to chase the LA dream anymore. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. It sucks that I'm back here, but uh, I mean, you, you get to kind of see like if she's going to look, if he's going to look down on everybody else or, and he, and he doesn't, he kind of like just says, Oh, they're caught up in the same thing. I wasted a decade of my life on. And I, here's, here's what, uh, Here's the repercussions of me booking a giant commercial and then, and and nothing else. Well, I think that's a good segue into what our big shiny object that everyone's chasing, which is every single person at this party, both guests and party down catering crew, seems to know Henry from something. They know his face, but they yes. can't place it from where. And it gets just more and more built up the anticipation of like, where do we all know Henry from? And, and this is also like... Yeah, it's every single person at the party, and they have, I don't know, how how do I even explain it? Like, they have built it up to make it sound like something so huge and dramatic, and they tease it for so, so long, and I haven't watched this pilot with fresh eyes probably in, like, 10 years. Like, I, I, don't, I can't remember when I started watching it, because I know what's coming, 
And for that suspense to just be built up the entire uh, the entire episode for hilarious payoff is such a smart pilot writing idea right there. Yeah, they don't give away the game for a long time. Even when uh, Henry's having a smoke break out back and hanging out with Casey, she like pins it like, oh, I know you, you're that guy, but they don't say the line. It's like the recognition of I know, but like you don't need to hear me say it. Like, they just keep finding new ways to build it up. And as we go through, like I think one of the great moments in this pilot is the and sort of the beauty of how this show is written and was developed is the idea that every party has sort of this event behind it, right? Mm -hmm. Or this Mm -hmm. theme behind it. And this one is an awards uh, ceremony for the neighborhood. Holy shit. This award ceremony had the beautiful mix of the, just the small written aside comments. Like they gave out best holiday or best Christmas decorations and then the people who won, oh, and then just someone's this is slight line. comment of "we lost, we lost to the Jews," <laughs> or no, we lost <laughs> to Jews. Pause, Jews. <laughs> I think my favorite thing in this scene is that Ken Marino is just in the crowd with all of the neighbors. Yeah, they all are. Jane, like, Jane Lynch way- is embracing people, like yeah. is like hugging people and shaking them, and it's just. It's so, if this was all written and not improv, it's just amazing writing. And so, like, everything was so well thought out. And it's just, it's outstanding as a whole. <laughs> I just I just really love the direction that Jane Lynch takes this character so much. Because she is going to get immersed in all of these, uh, like, social groups so quickly and so heavily. And you, you really can't just, like... I don't know. You can't, you can't just like take it away. Uh, you can't take her out of it. So after this award uh, ceremony, we have these, the uh, back to Eden share and Ryan Hansen, the, the singing in the laundry room was just a scene that I have highlighted in my notes because how Creepy. many times do we think they had to film this scene where they both weren't just cracking? Right. Because I, I I even try, I thought maybe we would do some TV pilots licensed theater. And I was like, no, because there's no way I can get through any of their lines without losing my mind. One of my favorite things in Party Down is how clunky everything feels, despite how well choreographed it actually mm-hmm. is. The fumbling for the phone and the pause for him to get the instrumental track to kick in when he's singing to her, the way the camera just like is kind of ugly. The fact that you actually hear like room tone behind you, like in this show, there's no <laughs> underscoring. It's it's like everything just feels a beat off. It, there's something unsettling about all of the empty space and like negative space in this show that is just used to such comic effect. It's the it's the officeification of it. It is really just like this is how I feel right now watching an episode of The Office when it's not a novel concept to me anymore. Because um, I definitely have like my chest tightens when I hear people communicate like this because it just reminds me of every horrible interaction I've ever had in an elevator at a store anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it it is almost too real, right? That's what throws people off about The Office, like. 
a lot of TV shows, sitcoms, comedies, there's almost this beat to it. It's almost like music, right? How the jokes are it's like jazz, written baby. and how it oh, don't don't get it. white men started <laughs> about jazz. Um, but, um, it's one of those things where it's so off beat that it makes it even better. And like we talked a little bit about Christopher Guest, it does remind you of those Christopher Guest movies where you're just like, holy shit, this is awful. But it's awful because we've all lived those scenarios and our lives aren't manicured as a whole. We we have to talk about Ken Marino's physical acting with the stain on his shirt and what that leads to. Oh. Because it it's it's so beautifully shot in the worst way that it makes it so goddamn funny. Like Max, you just rolled your eyes for our podcasting audience. Not really helpful for them, but <laughs> what's on your mind? Follow us on oh, YouTube. Just, okay, so so <laughs> so to set the scene up really quick, uh, Ken Marino is doing like bartending bottle tricks for a bunch of little kids. One of them stabs him in the leg with a tiny plastic cocktail sword, and he spills <laughs> an entire thing of mix all over his shirt. Has to change into Henry's too small and him t-shirt. It is hilarious watching like five nine a buck 40 sopping wet adam scott have to like give a shirt to big old ken marino there's like broad football player build and he's using the tide stick from before to try and get a stain out of the pants it of course looks like he is masturbating in a child's bedroom and you get two brilliant one-liners which is i'm just trying to rub something out and i used my stick on your mom earlier and it leads to the the cracking of Ron Donald. It leads to that moment where for all the optimism, for all the passion in the mundane thing, you see that there is this darkness below it, this person who's really at the end of their rope and trying to show face for the good of the company and like <laughs> being a good company man to impress the boss. At this moment where the character flips and it looks like he's going to lose it, is that other side that you need to make Ron Donald a perfect pilot character. And talking about those small details of this amazing flip that we see, one of the things that is right over his shoulder in his view, if you're watching the show, is there's a photo that is framed of Eden Share in a bikini. And you just see the small distinctness of it, but like that small detail just makes it even more. Oh, wild. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. And it, it's no, just like, he's I. directly looking at it when he's rubbing out the stain <laughs> and you're like, Holy shit. This is amazing. Like this is, this is literally every single detail. And like the way oh, he is God. angled is perfect as a whole. I don't think we do this pilot justice. I know that Enrico is not in the series as a whole, but Enrico does such a good job of driving this pilot forward as being the guest at the party that we want to learn yeah, more about. Yeah, we should reiterate again, that's actor Enrico Colantani, who plays Gordon, uh, the husband who is begrudgingly having this homeowner's gala thrown at his house. Well, uh... You, you don't get a lot of a character after you've seen him fully nude. 
That's uh, normally normally if you're if they just <laughs> sprinkle in a little bit of male nudity in there, uh, there's a chance that you may come back. But let that be a lesson for all you young actors out there. <laughs> Keep it in your pants. Yeah, there, there's nowhere else to go from there. That that's as far as you could go with the comedy. We have nothing left to prove. Super interesting. <laughs> I've heard if you go full nude, you do it to try to get an Oscar. But if you do it for TV, you're out of the show. Gonna write that down in my notes for later. Um, but Enrico's character, the host of this um, party, is just so interesting, right? We get these this ordinary fucking people line from him as like a mention to Repo Man, where we get like he's igniting these flames of conversation throughout. And then really, he's almost used, especially for the pilot, of learning more about Adam Scott's Henry. Right. Of uh, the idea of like to Henry, this looks like a really pretty decent life, right? You have a house, you have a family, a beautiful house in Sherman Oaks. Like, what's not to like about this? But then we see the disease of suburbia going through uh, this character's mind and driving him absolutely insane. Yeah, we get like a really good setup here of like the grass isn't always greener. All Gordon wants is henry's life this like free as a bird lifestyle he kind of mentions offhand i used to be in a band we don't get anything more than that we don't need (laughs) anything more than that but the idea of like i used to be cool i used to like you know drink beers and play rock music and he just wants henry's life and all henry wants is stability and security and you know were the last 10 years of my life really worth it and it's a it's an interesting argument of like how the other half lives that I think really comes to a head when everyone kind of simultaneously also pegs where they know Henry from. This builds and builds and builds this sort of like hypothetical conversation until it like erupts. Max, are we having fun yet? Uh, Because (laughs) that is where Henry is recognized from. He's recognized from this beer commercial that they that he was on a while ago but obviously we talked a little bit about the Verizon ads it had that effect on the general population it's like at my wedding um oh god there was the dumb bud light ads uh where people were saying what was the like thing that people were saying it was like a Oh, was it, were, were you, was this peak dilly dilly? Yeah, this was peak dilly dilly to the point where my father-in-law said dilly dilly in his uh, speech at the wedding. Um, oh. That is how big some of these moments have uh, on our society, right? And which is wild. So like meeting that person or seeing that person, of course, you're going to be like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, are we having fun yet? Screaming it at them at a party while they're just trying to do their job. There's a very talented improv comedian that I know and have seen uh, and taken classes with at New York. And he is currently in a ad for, I believe state farm during the NHL playoffs and Stanley cup. And they play it a thousand times a game. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. They didn't give him a catchphrase because he'll be recognized from it. Because everyone saw his face seventy times a game, uh, and uh, <laughs> it, it would just be like a ho- what a horrible life to lead if someone just shouts that at you all the time. I can't imagine what the, what the woman named from who plays Flo from the Progressive commercials has to deal with. Um, 
no one's ever heard from the Jared the Subway guy in like the last couple of years, so he must have gone into hiding. What happened to him? Who knows, man? <laughs> he must be doing great. <laughs> so these par- this party has to come to an end, right? We- this is only about a 25-minute TV show that we're watching. Mm-hmm. The way it comes to an end, and Rich sort of uh, spoke to it, is our host, uh, Gordon, decides to strip down naked and jump into a pool uh, and then proceeds to ask everyone, am I the asshole? Oh, I'm the asshole in this situation. Oh, and then gets the most devastating line in return. The yeah, the the, the line from his wife oh, was God. absolutely Gordon, bonkers. No one wants to. Uh, we don't want to see your penis. No one does. That is like like what a how can you even look at your neighbors in the face again after after they say that in front of everybody? Yeah, you have the to dramatic move. delivery from Rebecca Kreskoff, who plays his wife, is just it's. Oof. It's knives. It is sharper than the little cocktail sword that Ron Donald was stabbed with earlier. It's a million little cocktail swords. So there's there's a couple of small jokes that like have led up. I don't want to ruin them, right? Because I think that there's so much in this pilot. If you have not watched this, you're listening to it. Go and watch because each of these jokes that we've been leading up to, right? Ryan Hansen's character trying to go out for this big role. There is a tip jar incident that I don't even want to talk about. It's devastating, but it's wonderful. It all really leads to the end of this pilot where we think that we're at the end. We send everyone off into their own journeys because just like a nine to five, the party has to end at some point. But then our blackout scene is just so terrifyingly wonderful of seeing Adam Scott get jerked off in his beater car by one of the guests of the party. Oh, does say beater car. begs him to say his catchphrase. <laughs> there was something being beat. Uh, but, and we get him with like this horrifying face of saying, are we there yet? Or are we having fun yet? <laughs> wow, wow, Jeff. The that has a catchphrase. <laughs> are we having fun yet? And that is our pilot. There are two blackout lines of the actual episode and the post credit scene that are just perfect. And it, it, the last line of the actual episode is, welcome back, Henry. That That's... That's your pilot right there. Mm-hmm. I love ending on that line. <clears throat> and the joke of when he says the catchphrase in the post credit scene and loses his erection. <laughs> and we black out on that. <laughs> it, it's like this show hits its buttons so hard. And it knows like what it has to do to get there. And it is so well paced despite feeling so chaotic. It's not... It's not jazzy. It's not pretty. It's very ugly at times, but it's so well paced at the same time. I don't know if you guys have seen this so, as well, um, because like obviously we've done pilots this length before. But is this the most notes you've ever written down for one of our pilots? Because there's endless jokes. There's so many beats and jokes, and it's like there's so many moving pieces. Like everything from the first five minutes has like of building the world has a payoff by the end of the episode. They have set everything up for like 
I mean, just an absolute slam dunk at some point in in, uh, in the episode, and they just did such a great job writing everything. And the fact that none of this is improvised is like honestly pretty impressive for this crew because obviously Jane Lynch is an incredible improviser, Adam Scott's an incredible improviser. Like they do, Martin Starr probably uh, as well, just from like his his longtime work with Judd Apatow and um, and so many different comedy scripts. Like this is just so freaking solid from end to end uh it's just like i don't know it's just very impressive like it's it's easy to to pass this up because it was on stars and it feels a little bit like a web series of the way they shoot it and people did yeah people yeah people famously yeah. passed it up <laughs> so talking about like things like that let's talk about things that we loved about this pilot that maybe we missed was there anything that either of you really loved about this pilot that maybe we didn't discuss today yeah going off of rich's concept of just like the long con of jokes the fact that this show will set things up in act one that pay off at the end of the episode they do it throughout its entire run i think it's what makes party down so captivating to watch and i think you need to give a shout out to one specific line of constance played by jane lynch which is she's telling an audition story at the end of the episode to uh kyle played by ryan hansen about auditioning for one of the jumpsuit babes in Cannonball Run 2. It says she got hit by a car when she was in the hospital. She read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance and it changed her life. Those three specifics in one line of jumpsuit babe in Cannonball Run 2 getting hit by a car and specifically reading <laughs> Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. I, I can't pair three more unique things in one sentence if I tried. It's just such a great line and I absolutely have to give credit to John Enbaum on writing it and Jane Lynch for her just incredible delivery of it. Rich, what about you? Boy, I, I mean, I have so many notes here from just one-liners of who's your agent, State Farm. I forgot your name. That's crazy. People usually remember. It's Scrotum Phillips. Uh, the Obviously, the, the, the Jigger line is like one of the craziest moments I've ever seen in a comedy pilot. It's insane. Every single joke just gets, I mean, we don't even have time to cover every, uh, literally if we just did a dramatic reading of the pilot for everyone, like that's the only way we could cover all these, all these jokes. But yeah, I think that is, yeah, that's, I, that's the moment. I don't think anyone wants that. And I don't <laughs> think stars wants that. Uh, so I, I will say like, we talked about it a little bit. Every actor in this pilot did their job, mm -hmm. right? And they did such a fantastic job. That is a mix of acting talent and amazing writing. And I just have to give so much credit because sometimes we can watch a pilot and be like, oh, that person could have been replaced, right? Or that person could have been done a little bit better. Or that line sucked. No, this was such a great 25 minutes of television that like, I, I, can absolutely understand why stars saw this, saw the pilot and was like, cool. Yeah. There's something here. Um, they had to refilm it, but Hey, um, I definitely think that we'll talk a little bit about the legacy, but it's um, one of those that the pilot is just amazing. Any wait a minute moments um, that don't ruin any of the jokes in case someone wants to watch this. Yeah, relating a little too hard to the line, a lot could happen in eight years. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so you're... you're uh, Rich, what about you? Your, your wait-a-minute moment is that it's a little too on the nose. 
<laughs> the uh, for me, no, because even every moment that is like, like, oh my god, how could he say that with twenty twenty three ears and and stuff like that is like written intentionally as a joke. It's it is any any of those crazy lines could be said by Michael Scott and have the same effect. So. I wouldn't, I don't think there's, I, I think this is just like airtight. I don't really think there's any wait a minute moments that need to be addressed. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, I I would say the way that this was written, the type of comedy this is, I absolutely agree, Rich. This is a very hard show to find a wait a minute moment for. Um, but if you are listening to this and you know of one, put a comment down below. Uh, would love to hear it or reach out to us about it. Also, put some words of encouragement in the comments. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for that. Max needs some encouragement. He's had a great. He's had a great eight years, uh, and he's absolutely killing it. <laughs> so we do have an in-flight question, um, and this one is a little wild. If someone was to recognize you at a party for something, what wouldn't you want it to be for? Oh God. Well, I, it's going to be hard to narrow it down. It's gonna be hard to. <laughs> I mean, because we're we're just going off of like like are we talking about real life experiences or are we talking about like you know potential hypothetical ones? I will. I will. I let think you... hypotheticals. Let's open up the floodgates here. I yeah, don't want. Let's go for it. Go for do, it. Rich. If you see me in public, do not perceive me. You have you <laughs> you have never seen me before. I am John Cena to you. Do not. I am not here. <laughs> <laughs> Max, what about you? What would be uh, something you don't want to be recognized at a party for? Oh God, yeah, I don't. I don't want to ever be someone who was in a video that was featured on Ridiculousness or Tosh Point oh. If anything I ever do in my life ends up on that show, um, just it. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just thinking of that as well. Like, right? This is. Could you imagine being like? All right, we'll get we're we're a crude podcast. If someone was like, "Wait, aren't you the guy from Two Girls One Cup?" and like that is how someone recognizes you would be. For those listening at home, we're going to do a little bit. Of- <laughs> well, um, I love that question. Thank you so much for your in-flight question. We'll talk about a little bit more about how to submit those later at the end of the podcast. Um, let's talk about this show's history because it's a little bit complex. As a whole, this show only had three seasons and 26 episodes. Um, now, when I say three seasons, let's I was going to say, about, we, should, we should break this down. Yeah. So when I say three seasons, there was a season in 2009. There was a season in 2010. And then the third season was in 2023, the year of our Lord. Uh, so this show has garnered this history as a cult classic it was actually fairly controversial when it got canceled but it was on stars and there just wasn't the audience for this type of show in 2010 unfortunately as well as a cast of characters and actors and actresses that were wildly in demand like an adam scott leaving for parks and recreation yeah, a lot of this show's legacy is in like the people who left to go on and do these massive roles. You know, Jane Lynch has won Emmys for two different projects since leaving this show. Ken Marino's been 
a fixture in both supporting and lead roles and comedies for a decade plus. Something that I found out in researching this is that when the second show finished, a lot of the stars executives left or were replaced by people who were at HBO when the show first got passed on by HBO nearly a decade prior. Mm. And they basically just said, we're not doing any more scripted stuff at this time at stars. And they kind of put that entire part of the network on hiatus for a little bit. Obviously they've gone back to it with things like power and outlander that have found audiences. But in 2010 stars just said, we're putting a hold on original content for a while and everything's a casualty of it. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I also found pretty wild about this show is like one of the reasons that prestige TV is prestige TV is the awards that are supposed to come with it. This is one of our lowest nominated shows we've ever done. It only got three nominations for its two seasons and it won one award. I do want to throw in one note on this, that of all the shows, of all the comedies that we've talked about that have won awards, have been nominated for Emmys and stuff like that, uh, a lot of them, except for Veep, and I want to make that a very specific uh, example, except for Veep, do not have crass jokes in them. Do not have uh, o- like overwhelming amounts of swearing. It's... 30 Rock, it's Abbott Elementary, it's Parks and Rec, it's that kind of thing. It's The Office. It is very, very much in that scope. And I think once you start getting crass with any jokes, it is a difficult road to get to that Emmy. Because, except for V, because Julia Louis-Dreyfus already had a ton of cachet at that particular moment. So my what I will say is I think that in 2009-2010... And I was about to get to this. The awards world was not prepared to have a show like this win awards. Mm -hmm. Um, Because now we have shows like Veep. We have shows like Succession, which some of the lines they say on that show are holy shit moments. Mm -hmm. But that show wins a hell of a load of awards. it's Paul Petrarchi Down was robbed of the best fart at the College Humor Awards. It should have won best (laughs) fart. (laughs) <laughs> best floppy dick in the- uh, I will say uh, we are recording this in June July is when Emmy nominations come out for 2023 uh, and I know that there is an Emmy campaign going on right now for Party Down so I wish them the best of luck I really hope that they can at least get a nomination for uh, this past season and if anybody wants to send us an fyc basket we like free snacks yeah oh yeah 100 percent. if you're listening Uh, we'll we'll pick out every uh Uh, (laughs) every network send us your shit send us free stuff we're we are not above free stuff we are yeah send us some swag bags (laughs) but that really is the legacy as of now do i hope that maybe there will be a season four hopefully if everyone's schedule schedules free up right Uh, There are so many talented people who have been in this show. It's very difficult to say, when will they be free to do something else? It's sort of like the community movie, right? Fingers crossed that it's actually happening or going to finish. Um, With that being said, with our legacy currently unknown as far as completeness, Rich, what is your game of the week? All right. So this week we were talking about the uh, creator, uh, one of the creators of... uh, 
of Party Down, which is our friend Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20. So I wanted to uh, I wanted to jump in and uh, and ask you some trivia questions about his side gig as the lead singer of Matchbox 20 and also his own music career. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Question the first. Go for it, Rich. Matchbox 20 got their name how? A, while playing with another band, their guitarist Ryder included 20 matchboxes because the band smoked so many cigarettes. B, their first day of rehearsal, no one brought food or drink, and the only thing on the table was a matchbox. C, the drummer was a waiter and caught the customer's jacket with a matchbox patch and a 20 patch next to each other. D, they were originally named Matchbox 420 because their weed stash was always in big uh, big matchboxes. They dropped the four after the suggestion from the label. So in honor of the cater waiters, I am going to say it has to do something with the waiting and seeing the patches uh, next to each other. Max, what about you? I don't know. These guys came up in the 90s in Orlando, Florida. I'm going to say it's the weed reference, D. (laughs) Uh, Jeff, you were right. It is the waiter patch. Excellent. Question number two. Let's go. Matchbox 20 has more. (laughs) No, no, no. There's more. Matchbox 20 has more Grammy nominations than all of these artists, except for whom? Janis Joplin, Bob Marley, Guns N' Roses, Patti Smith, The Who, The Grateful Dead, The Doors, and Queen. What What is the only band that uh, Matchbox 20 does not have more uh, Grammy nominations than? I'm going to say Guns N' Roses, Rich. I'm going to say The Who. Both of you are incorrect. It's actually uh, the queen herself, uh, Patty Smith. Um, and uh, oh. just so you know, uh, Patty Smith has the same amount of uh, nominations as Matchbox 20. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, uh, third question. <laughs> the closest answer wins. How many weeks did Smooth, featuring Santana, actually technically featuring Rob Thomas, it's Santana's song, uh, stay in the Billboard Hot 100. How many weeks did Smooth stay in the Billboard Hot 100? Are we are we just saying how many Say, weeks we think it is? That's right. Yeah, closest answer wins. Max, after you. Oh God, um, I feel like this was around forever and ever and ever. I'm going to say. 29. All right. So Smooth came out, what, like 1999, 2000? 99. Um, I'm thinking of what else. Yeah. So the other, the competing factor in this is um, Ricky Martin, Livin' La Vida Loca came out. That album came out right around the same time. Um, I'm going to say we're dealing with like 15 weeks. This is in the top 100 for Billboard for 58 weeks. What the fuck? This was also... Wow, I was closest to the pin by being halfway there. I'm I'm also going (laughs) to drop in a little fun fact, too. Uh, This was Santana's first chart topper since his cover of Fleetwood Mac's Black Magic Woman, which happened 25 years earlier. Hey, this is... I'm all about Santana. Santana, (laughs) good for you. Come on the pod, Santana. You are there. 
Come on the pod, Santana. Absolutely. He um, can't actually say anything, though. He just plays riff whenever he wants to contribute. <laughs> that would be... that. That is almost like on a Stevie Wonder isn't really blind level uh, like conspiracy theory that Santana is actually mute. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a... No, no, he's not mute. It's just like a pet and teller situation. Like, he can't talk. Oh, my... <laughs> Wait, his guitar is pen? <laughs> Yes, yes, he's Teller. <laughs> oh my god! Well, Rich, thank you for that amazing game of the week. Um, I've learned so much about Matchbox Twenty. Yeah, you've learned nothing. Also, let's Rob see Thomas. how far we've come. <laughs> oh my god! Max. Wow. Well, gentlemen, our flight is set to come to a land, and we're uh, all a little unwell. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jeff! It's like three a.m. Um, yeah. Oh God. I, I, I. We have to finish this. We have to. So. No, I want to push you around. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I have two questions for each of you, gentlemen. One is: Would you continue watching this show based off of the pilot? And two: Do you think there should be another rebooted season of Party Down? Max, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think that this is a really sharp, just like pilot as a whole. I think it asks good questions up front. I think it it ends on a really strong line with Welcome Back, Henry. I think it sets up the world and who we're following it. It has a great POV. It definitely makes me want to watch more, just like watching it as a pilot with fresh eyes. And the humor is 100% up my alley. I definitely recommend watching the initial two seasons if you have not before and if any of our listeners have a login for stars uh dm me i would love to watch season three please let me know your stars login and i promise to log out after i finish these like six or seven episodes can it be made today i think that this vignette style where you just pick an event and you let it run could go in perpetuity i agree with what you said jeff if there's a situation where we could get this main group together or even bring in other friends of theirs, you know, seeing if Ken Marino can't bring in more of the like David Wayne, the state crowd, you know, seeing who couldn't come and go. I think the framework is there to just plug and play. And if there's good scripts and good jokes, yeah, why not? Bring it on. Rich, what about you? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It was hard to stop myself from watching episode two, to be honest, uh, because the, the Hulu button just goes so quick now. It just like really throws you in that second one. Um, you got to really catch it before he, before it throws into episode two. Um, also every single person from this show, uh, has been involved in either Emmy, in, in Emmy nominated TV shows, uh, comedy shows, Martin Starr and Silicon Valley, Jane Lynch and fucking everything. Um, it is just like, it's such a terrific show. And like, I feel like the reason we all love it so much is that it didn't deserve it didn't need to go so hard with the cast like they just like it felt it felt like it felt very pure in the sense that all these people came together against the better notions of like wanting more money i guess would be the way this would would be the best way to say it it feels very anti-capitalist the way they're doing it it's like 
it's like uh, basketball players taking a pay cut to be part of like a really great team. It's just it's just like it feels like really strong in that sense. And uh, would I watch uh, another rebooted season of this? Absolutely. This is uh, this is a cast I literally can't get enough of, and the fact that they we got Megan Mullally after Jane Lynch is so insane. <laughs> like they're like, oh, okay, so we burnt our entire budget getting keeping Adam Scott, keeping Ken Marino, keeping Martin Starr, and they're like, oh, we're just gonna casually throw in multi Emmy winning and like multi multi millionaire uh, Megan Mullally who just has nothing else going on, I guess that week. Uh, we're just going to dump her in the show. Like what? I mean, this is like a charmed show. There's no reason for it to have been this good. So to finish this out, absolutely would watch the entire series right after watching this pilot. I think uh, if you thought I was going to say no, you weren't listening closely enough to this podcast and maybe you're working out or doing laundry a little too hard uh, as far as rebooting this show for another se- season, um, I would love if they did it, right? Like, I absolutely would love if all these actors had enough time. Maybe we can make this sort of like um, wet, hot American summers, right? Like, oh, 10 years from now, uh, we'll all come back right here and make another episode of um, Party Down or just make make an episode every 10 years and I will be so happy. Um, But with all that being said, and as our plane comes to a land, that was party down. Uh, Gentlemen, where can we find you to if folks are looking for you? Well, I'm getting pretty hungry. You can catch me grabbing lunch at a local Super Crackers franchise near me. Uh, (laughs) You can also find me on all things social media at Maxwell Singh. You can find me on Twitter at Matchbox20, and you can find me on Instagram at Damn That's Rich, and you can find Max and My Comedy at uh, Dadwagon Comedy on TikTok. You can find me really aggressively trying to get a stain out of my shirt, uh, but you can also find me at Run Jeff Run on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, as well as anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, you can email us at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram uh, as we'll give sneak previews as well as some fun reels and clips from the show. Uh, But until then, with the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world again with you soon. But until then... Are we having fun yet? Are we having fun yet?